Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Birdie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. G'day, fellas. And Ham. Howdy ho. And your host Hamish. So here to wrap up last round of football and then look for a preview to next or the upcoming week of football. So starting off, uh, positive outcomes uh, in our two other uh, competitions. Um, both those teams not kept to a, uh, a donut. Um, we'll start off with the Jersey flag. Eels 32, Rabbitohs 26. Try scorers, six of um, well, six tries rather, to five different try scorers. Peter Tateo, Graham Taufer, Natili Schmidt, Cody Parry getting a double, and Dottore Louis also crashing over. Ethan Sanders, four from six off the boot. Um, 22 nil at half time, so South staging a comeback in the second half. Boys, uh, what news do you have from? The Jersey flag. I have nothing. I didn't see. It. I didn't go out. So I only saw the highlights, really, which showed, um, you know, Cody Parry making his debut. I thought Mac Pulfisi looked um, got his hands on the ball, which I haven't seen when I've been out to the game. So good, good signs. But you know, South Sydney were last, and when you come up twenty-two nil, I guess you suppose you take the foot off the accelerator. But they made it. They made it tight. Yeah, they, they certainly need to be. <laughs> certainly made it a lot tighter than it had to be. Uh, yeah, it continues that late season resurgence we've seen from the boys. This one was obviously probably one of the weaker performances when you consider how much they let South back into the game. But again, we're getting a sort of glimpse of what could have been if they just found this gear a few weeks earlier. Um, as it stands right now, we, we're still operating under the assumption that it's a top five or top six finish, which means they're mathematically uh, nearly impossible because the way the draw works for the Penrith Panthers and the St. George Laura Dragons means that they're just, they're, they've got two pushover games and a buy each, I think. So they, they'll be you know, cashing in for the wins. And yeah, so it's going to be what's left to be. But yeah, a lot of young guys continuing to go okay. Ethan Sanders having that nice partnership with Mac Pulfisi. Ham was talking about that just before. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do with Pulfisi in the preseason or the offseason because he sort of just rocked up a couple of weeks ago, didn't he, Ham? And has been part of his resurgence. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and Sanders, obviously, he's a player we've got earmarked long term, I think, as a, you know, an important cornerstone for development. But yeah, Bill Fisi's just come in and sort of changed the equation a bit. So interesting stuff. So sorry, he's the five eighth, is that right? Yeah, he's the five eighth. He just walked like walked onto the team a couple of weeks back and since he came in the, the team's clicked really nicely. So I don't know if it was just a case of uh Ethan's there's been, you know, desperately needing a sort of classical five eighth to partner with him in the halves. I don't know. Uh but whatever it was, since he's been there, the Eels have just they have won every game, but they've been vastly better and won most games. All right, well, jumping on to the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup. Eels again victorious, 32 over the Rabbitohs, 10. Try scorers, Sean Russell, Tavita Tormapenu. Uh, sorry, Sean Russell with the, the, the hat-trick, rather. Yeah, <laughs> um, Zach Cheney and Mitch Rain uh, to get over in the last three minutes of the game. So, um, four from six from Hayes Param off the boot, 16-6 at half-time. Uh, so, this was the curtain raiser on Friday night. Did you guys manage to get out yes, there for it? we were both out there for this one. And, Ham, I don't know about you, but I was really concerned after the first five minutes of this game. Uh, we were sluggish. It looked like the Bunnies were going to get us big time. But then all of a sudden, about 10 minutes in, we just clicked in. Yeah. And South did not have the same gear as us. And Sean, Yeah, they just you go. they started shifting the ball to Sean. Yeah. And then yeah, Sean, 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 Sean. magnificent in this game. It wasn't just the three tries. Uh, his, his stats, when you look at him, it's like 120 metres, couple of tackle busts and whatnot. But he, he was just such a pro in this game. He made one mistake defensively, which he then rectified by getting back and making the tackle in the midfield. But he defended brilliantly, used the sideline expertly to force people into touch, uh, defused kicks, scored off kicks, 
uh, had that incredible put down in the corner with like three defenders push him into touch. He just had a, a winger's like a winger's winger game. Uh, yeah, it's probably the most impressed I've been of Sean um, since he's played on the wing in reserve grade. I thought he was playing some good games at fullback last year, but out on the wing, he's, he's making the tough carries. He was especially late at the season, like being a young guy, twenty years old. The you know it's only second uh, season in senior footy. It's these moments, it's these games where you're probably tiring out and everything. But he just seemed to really. I don't, I'm unsure about that 116. It felt like he ran for a lot more. I, I, I think that might be doing him dirty on the meterage. Yeah, he, I, yeah. I don't know how much. I it, remember at least a 20 meter run. There was at least one. 20 and it was meter certainly run. like a willing hand when it came to rucking it out. So it wasn't like he was shirking the run. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe just the eels were making too many meters elsewhere, and that, that's what's sort of led to the the stats getting inflated in other players. I don't know. But yeah, um, Makahesi Makatoa dropped back to reserve grade for this game. He responded with by far and away his best performance of the season. Uh, ran with some fire, uh, was hard to bring down, got a couple of offloads away. Uh, he went for nearly 250 metres. So a huge effort from him. Uh, Eli Elsgehem, uh, unfortunately, Eli's problem this year, and I say his problem, I think he's just been partnered down the weaker side for the Parramatta Eels and just doesn't get the same service that the uh, edgeback rolls down the left have gotten. But he still went for nearly 200 in this game, thought he was outstanding. Uh, and then it was just solid contributions across the board there. Tony Matelli, the uh, other young back rower that me and him have been uh, hyping up a little bit, he was really solid. Uh, 15 carries, 130 metres, made, I think it was 24 tackles with just one miss, which is a significant step forwards for him. Uh, Tavita Tamapenu scored the try, went for 100 metres off the bench. Uh, so just like lots of nice, really solid contributions across the park. Uh, and the the other big moment, and it's a. Sh- I was going to say, I was going to ask, are you going to talk about it? Are hey, you going to talk about I, the hit? I, I feel part of me feels bad hyping this up because it resulted in injury, not through foul play, just the you know the the nature of football being a contact sport was what led to the injury here, which I, I believe was a broken leg. Was a, I don't know how I, I, I don't, don't know how, how he either. broke his leg. I legitimately do not. We're know Greg who. Ham and I, you know, will tell you he's a very good offensive prop, like NRL caliber offensive prop of his production. But his big weakness in reserve grade, you know, even in reserve grade, not just NRL, has been his defensive lapses. Uh, he came and, he, out, and he's just a bit of aggression. Yeah, exactly. He he came. I don't know who fired him up. What they said. I don't know if you know. We were joking about the water boy just before we started recording. I don't know if someone put a water boy on him and told him that water sucks. But he, out of nowhere, with the Eels Murdered. on his tendency, he, he races out of the line and puts on it, – it, it's like what Steve Maddow used to do, but only if Steve Maddow had like 25 more kilos on his frame. And he put on the most brutal legal hit I've ever seen. You, the, the FUD of the hit resonated through Combank Stadium. And yeah, it was a legit like bonk. And and the the poor bloke immediately you know dropped the ball and it turns and he stayed down and it turns out unfortunately he picked up – like I said, what we believe was a broken leg. Uh, but it, it was legitimately the most violent, clean, and legal hit I've ever seen. And I've, I've seen a lot of football, have, you know, obviously being rugby league fans we are, but also playing a lot of junior football and junior rep football in the country. That was the hardest hit I've ever seen. And it's just like, because it was happening right in front of me where I sit, and he just hit his shoulder like right underneath the ribs. In, into the flesh, like into the soft yeah, stuff. Just, oh, it just, I, I, don't, I don't understand he, he, he where. Wrapped, he wrapped his arm, everything. And <laughs> it was just such a, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And if you ask anyone there at the time, witness it, they, they would, they'll remember that sound because yeah. it was just, and it's a shame that um, when New South Wales Rugby League do their highlights, that they undo tries because, 
And I understand why they, if they would feel bad about showing someone being injured. And this is where Parramatta's media department needs to step up. We need to get highlights of that. I, I honestly would have thought it might have gotten run on something like the Matty John show because they love to pull out, you know, quirky or insane highlights out of the New South Wales Cup when something crazy happens. And maybe it was just out of respect for the injury. I'm not sure because, like, legitimately the most insane hit I've ever seen and completely legal, completely textbook. Like, if you were teaching someone how to tackle for a big hit, that was it. And that, was, that was it. And that's where you want to aim to, right underneath the ribs, right underneath the ball. You know, you don't have to put a shot on like that, but – if you if you're constantly tackling there, you're gonna hurt someone. In context of the game, though, big win for the Eels. This was almost a, a mirror image of the what in terms of what was at stake as the NRL game five v six coming into the game. Eels trying to keep touch with the top four. Uh, they did exactly that. They improved their four and against to keep it in touch with the likes of the Bulldogs and the Bears. And with uh, both those teams winning, it means that you know the, the Eels are still chasing, but they're still in a position to chase. And with their, their matchup against Canterbury this coming week, it means that they're now in a position to leapfrog the Western Sydney rivals. Also at the time, like, we're now three points ahead of six. Yes, yeah. So, so no, that, huge, you know, huge I, I yeah. don't think unless a miracle happens and um, we lose our next two and Canberra win their next two, Parramatta are making it through to the uh, finals for the reserve. I believe it's a top eight. In the, in, bizarrely, I believe it's top oh, eight. Oh, that's right. It is too. I'm thinking of yeah. Jersey flag. Yeah, so it's the same amount of teams in both competitions, but in the flag it's a top five or top six, and in the cup it's a top eight, which I suppose because the cup's televised uh, through the finals, they want the extra eyes on it for Fox. True. So, yeah, unless they get stripped for cap, Problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've, <laughs> they've booked it. They've essentially booked their spot in the in the finals with that win, and they're now chasing the Bulldogs and the Bears for a top three or top four finish. All right. Well, we've touched on uh, two positive games. Let's get to the uh, <sighs> not so positive game. Um, so the Eels uh, laying a duck egg, literally and figuratively, twenty six nil to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um, don't have to talk about try scorers, do we? Uh, (laughs) Go through some team stats. So, um, Rabideau's winning the possession stakes 54% to 46%. Uh, We only completed 28 sets um, of 37 at 75%. Rabideau's at 80%. Uh, They outgained us by about 400 metres, an extra 150 contact metres, eight line breaks to two, 32 tackle breaks to 15. Uh, looking at defensive stats, effective tackle percentage at 88% for us, 89 for I, I am South. shocked it is that high for us. Yeah. Missed tackles, we had 32. We had an extra uh, 60 tackles to make. South only had 15 missed tackles. We had 23 ineffective to South 24. 13 errors to 11. Five penalties conceded to four. Two ruck infringements to none. Uh, one each on the inside 10 metres. Apparently, we used nine interchanges. I think they must be counting that head injury assessment um, as an interchange. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's. But Bertie, we'll start with you. We haven't heard enough of Bertie tonight. Oh, mate, this is pathetic. Honestly, I'm, I've never been so angry after a loss. You could argue the Bulldogs game surprised us, but look at all their forwards bar two on the bench, whatever, ran for over 100 metres. And, like, the majority of it were post-contact metres. It was um, Damien Cook getting them over the advantage line quickly. Like, we, I saw this uh, last time we played them in the wet. He was getting them over the, over the advantage line. And I thought that was just because of wet weather football. But with our lack of line speed and Damien Cook's, um, you know, giving them advantage, we were screwed. Like, you know, Brad Arthur's mentioned it four or five times this week. They made 60 metres the first set. Mm-hmm. Um, Latron Mitchell literally 
I wouldn't say there were line breaks. Look, okay, he, he didn't tear us apart because the two line breaks he made, he was through the gap uh, untouched, literally. And could by the time a, could that a we fullback reacted. telegraph the outside inside ball more obviously than what Latrell did for those two back-to-back sets and a team still not managed to make the tackle? That that blew my mind. He was literally just hovering there saying, yeah, they're going to pass to me, so you better better tackle me. And nope, no one wanted to tackle. But like, if the first, okay, the first, you give it the first time, they you know, they caught us out, right? We'll learn from it. But we don't learn from shit. This team is the dumbest team I have ever watched. And I'm talking about back to the days when we had Takarangi, Vave, the lot of them. This is so dumb. And you know what typifies it? The Opachet strip. This team is dumb. They need to go back to, like, you know, we, we're arguing, uh, sorry, they're not arguing about um, Knights, how they've got no passion and no standards. I, I believe our team is dumber than them. Legit. I just don't know what's wrong with this team. They don't want to defend. They all, they all want to run. They all, Whenever we're attacking the line, you see everyone rushing up trying to get a run. But when it's time to defend your backside off, they're all sitting back watching. And then another thing is, and, and I hope they work on it in the offseason because it's too late now, is when someone kicks for the ball, at least contest it. Don't just sit there like seagulls and just watching the ball. How many times do they kick the ball and we've got people just grounded watching it? This team really it ruined my weekend. And I, I know we shouldn't let league ruin our weekend, but it was just to the point where they don't give a crap. Right about the fan base. This fan, you know, you had twenty three thousand there. You two, you know, two were there for the earlier game, and this dog shit performance. I am. This team has zero care factor about this uh, about the fan base, and they can say, "Oh, we care about it," you know. Like they said this week, "Oh, they're sick and tired of losing to this team." Well, they didn't show anything. Yeah, they got worse that, in the first the, game. The, the results confirmed that that was a lie. It's, and it's BS. Yeah. It's such BS. Yeah, you and used like, to. Use the word pathetic to describe the performance, but you know, I think that's all you really need to say. They that first opening set, or first opening set, is a bit of a what's it called a redundant statement. But that opening set, geez, that just that told you everything you needed to know. When Souths rolled us for sixty meters with our you know full, fully fit starting middles in there, and they just didn't want to know about it, and we didn't didn't want the collisions the entire game. Well, at least our starters didn't want the collisions the entire game, even when they came back on their second rotation. Because I will say that I actually thought that our bench, who, for, you know, we, we criticised Brad for his bench rotations because he can be a little bit uh, slow on the reactions, but I felt like he actually got on the front foot in this game. He put Oregon, Murata, and Bryce Cartwright in as a, a three-man battery rotation, and I thought that they actually stymied the bleeding. They came out and actually defended against South forwards, who, for whatever reason, against our starters... Uh, you know, we, we couldn't tackle them, we couldn't wrap them, we couldn't stop the offloads, we couldn't, you know, prevent uh, guys like Cam Murray getting in behind the ruck and killing us. And then, like you said, that then opens up Damian Cook. So whatever it was, whatever the attitude was of our starters, they didn't want a piece of it on that uh, particular game, and it was evident from that first set. Are our starters too big? No. They've, they've got no. no lateral They've got no, no lateral movement. Got, Junior Barlow was one of the main culprits. For yeah, Junior, Junior was the- very bad in this game. Latrell Mitchell just opening us up. He was – I'm not sure which one it was, but no, uh, Cam the, Murray's inside ball to it's Latrell. Not, it's just, not about the lateral. Cause I think that, it was both of them that Tuna <laughs> was caught out on. That's uh, – I mean, obviously lateral quickness and agility is a big part of defending against those more nimble outside backs. But we've shown in the past against teams that absolutely carve up with line speed and, and ball playing around the ruck like Penrith that we can match them defensively through the ruck. It is just about want to. And, and, you know, the determination to get up off your line. We had no line speed. We allowed South to get downhill against us to, you know, get to the angles they wanted to attack on. And even and when you have no line speed, you plant your feet and you become a cement block. 
And that's what we saw against it. Well, at least with our starters, what we saw. Because when Bryce Cartwright comes out and actually sets a tone defensively, and, and this isn't a shot of Bryce, who I thought actually played quite well, but that tells you a lot about where your forward pack was traveling in a given game. And I think they're scared of Souths, to be honest. Oh, because there, there is clearly – and on the flip side, you know that Souths relish playing us. You know, they circle the game and say, we got them. We got their number. Well, and that's what the coach said. John Morris said yeah, John um, Morris. at Monday, yeah, saying, exactly. oh, we're confident we yeah, own the energy them. In we their literally building. own them. Yeah, the energy in the building from the minute they started the, the preparation of this game was, we're going to roll them. We're going to get them. And lo and behold, they did. And until – it's going to take a special effort, it feels like, from Parramatta to get this monkey off their back – and once they do, maybe they can make you know make it an actual even contest moving forwards. But until then, they're just Souths are just completely completely got us, and it's honestly embarrassing. Yeah, um, it was everything that we were sort of dreading. Yes, uh, I want to give myself a bit of a shout out. I got uh, South score right, score line right. Uh, not not the Eels one because no, <laughs> it's one of those ones when you're tipping it, like you, you talk about it in the back of your mind. It's always there. You know that they've got the stranglehold on us. But you know how good the Seals team can be. And you, you, we've seen them you know, break hoodoo after hoodoo this year, e- even as inconsistent as they've been. They went to Melbourne and beat Melbourne. They swept Penrith, a team that outside, obviously the game last week sort of, or uh, sorry, the game last week didn't really do Penrith credit in terms of who they had available, but up until then had been flawless outside of Parramatta. So we, we know that this team can do it, but holy shit, sometimes they just, like Bertie was saying, sometimes it feels like they just don't want to turn up and do the hard work. And, and the shitty thing is like, I think the start of that second half showed what we can do. Like we'll move in yeah, the yeah. I know we'll, we'll, it's it's hard to say, but I know we 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 squandered we squandered three or four tries. Like, and we yeah. were actually causing them problems, but we just couldn't go on and finish it. And that's obviously we're moving the ball. We're playing short side with Dylan Brown and Gutho. We're running on the last. We were doing stuff, and I I, I don't want to. It probably is me being biased and me being salty that Reed's leaving. But I really noticed that this game was. Reed, when he gets into dummy half, he loads his pass. So yeah. you saw last year and the year before when Reed passes, just bang straight off the ground. Whereas when we watch him really closely this year, he's got that little, say he's passing right to left, he'll pick it up and then sort of bring his shoulder back to the right two pass left. Yeah, he's he didn't have that last year. Pass, yeah. Yeah, so, so it just delays the pass a little bit. It del- it, especially in, being in, close in a, to in the line. In a timing offense, that is a huge difference, exactly. And it's just yeah, it's just that every every second you're slower, or every half second you're slower, it, it just increases further down the line. It was also so a com- I- almost comical moment for Reed, where he'd spent the better majority of that uh, of the game trying to hammer a crash ball over in the red zone to no avail. You know, he, he forced knock ons out of his plays, ate up tackles, it just wasn't working. And then the one time where Sean Lane goes over untouched, he plays out the back. <laughs> it's just it really typified what what's going on there, dummy half a read where not much is going right. He's taking the wrong options. Um and, and funnily enough, this was a game where he actually posted a season high running meters. Yeah, I was gonna say he ran the ball a in lot. The, in, the sec- was, in the second half second he actually half. he actually started to run the ball. Yeah, so and that was part of, and this was happen uh this is what happened against uh back in Brisbane, the Brisbane game actually where it was almost a similar result in context of how bad we played. But some of our best football in the game against Brisbane and some of our best football in the game against South Sydney came when he was like, Oh, I can run the ball from dummy half. I can start punishing the markers. And yeah. they, they got Souths on the back foot, which opened up the field for Dylan and Jake. And then we, we you know, we couldn't quite cash in because Micah forgot that you can actually grab the ball to put it down off grubber kicks and uh Will Penasini couldn't quite get the ball down and force that offload and then Tom Opacic, uh 
part. I was baying blood at the start, but I thought on replay it was probably forwards. But yeah, he, he couldn't pass backwards to Micah as well. So there was plenty of tries left on the field there for the Eels if they were going to mount a comeback. But yeah, just uh, we, we've talked about a lot, and I don't want to put the knife into Reed because he is a good kid, and he, he I think he's actually copped some flack. Uh, from fans, uh, you know, vocally at the field. Yeah, an undeserving flack too, yeah, I think. The, the, there's a thing, there is a, a line we talk about as fans where you can criticise players for struggling on the field or having bad form, but when you're hailing abuse at them and, and really giving them a gobful that crosses lines, it's just, there's no need for it. And I think just, because I said it to one of my mates this year, he was going off his brain when we are playing Manly. If you're not enjoying it, just, just go home. Yeah. Exactly, and that, that you know what that, that is that is what happened in this game. I've I haven't seen a, a stadium clear out that much that early in quite a while because that's how bad the Eels were playing. Just just go home, like if it's if it's not enjoyable, well then you but know. Yeah, but yeah, just well, go home like I said, you don't want to you don't want to pile onto Reed, but it feels like a lot of the team's issues are stemming from the base of the ruck, uh, and that, that that doesn't excuse the you know the really really weak wheeled stuff from Junior Reg and Maddo when it came to wanting the collisions in the ruck. But elsewhere, it feels like, yeah, we just the, – the timings, when they're not right, it starts at dummy half, Reed's taking the wrong options, and it's – and you can see he's trying. Like, you can see he's trying, but it's just not working. Yeah. But, yeah – well, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to – No, I was just going to say with – um. no, actually, you go, because you'll probably – mine's off topic from what we're talking about, so you're better off going. Uh, mine was more touching on Reed and just say that it's sort of that width of that pass that we play. So when he does half cock it, you know – if he's throwing 20, 30 metre passes, every single thing um, like that takes time. Uh, but it might also be an attacking style thing where I know as soon as we get closer to the line, he likes to play those short balls and, you know, try piston at either side of the the uprights to, to get a crash ball over. But I think at times when we're playing 20 metres out, he, he should keep that in his pocket or at least the team should run some more of those under the lines because... Um, that's that's going to help you against that rushing outside defence that Souths employ um, if you've got your second rowers coming back under. And that's sort of when we started to pick them apart, when we had Sean Lane running that unders line on the left side. And sort of when you get uh, um, from the fullback, um, I think Gutherson, Jesus, how long has he been our fullback for? I can't even remember his name. <laughs> um, getting those quick play the balls and, and rucking off and, and turning the ball under. Um you know, just just splitting because I, I think sometimes we just persist too much with going sideways. Um, but again, it doesn't make up for it when we're on the back foot no. so much of Friday night. And the, the, you know, the, 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 there's a there's a NFL saying: you are what your record says you are. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We're a thirteen and eight team, and we're almost got a equal uh, point differential. So. Um, highly inconsistent the whole of the year. Uh, when we're on, when we're focused, uh, you know, we can be one of the best teams in football. Uh, but on other occasions, like the the game against South, uh, when we don't show up, it is it is it is really dreadful. And it was a, a game sparse of silver linings, but I thought again, Sean Lane was excellent. Uh, I think my only real criticism of him was that he didn't uh, compete for the short drop kickoff. Oh, sorry, sorry, short dropout, drop kickoff, uh, short dropout as well as he could have, but outside of that, he you know he legitimately tested the right edge of South Sydney. And the other player who, uh, alongside Reid, I've been quite critical of this year, but I thought Guffo was back to his best or close to. I thought defensively he was outstanding. I mean, our front-line defence were must have been a nightmare for him. You know, he, they, they were just pouring through, they being South Sydney, almost every other set, and he made a number of big plays there, um, and he, he ran his gut off. Uh, he looked much better defensively in the red zone than he had prior earlier in the season. 
Um, and, you know, obviously offensively it wasn't there, but that was more of a reflection of the rest of the team where the opportunities for him just weren't there to, you know, either chime in, finish up or uh, finish up a play or support. Um, I completely agree with that. Last two weeks, Gutho has been back to his best. Uh, just giving quick shout-outs, I want to give a shout-out to uh, my mate Brad, uh, Brad Arthur, obviously listening to the Parrot podcast because he brought Bryce Cartwright on exactly in the role that I was talking about last podcast. Right in that middle, we needed the ball yeah. playing off the bench. Cardi bought it. That's exactly what I want to say. And, uh, importantly for Cartwright, it wasn't about primarily ball playing. He came in and played tough football and then created ball playing opportunities that unfortunately these teammates weren't pushing up for the support. And that, that's really where Bryce is at his best and where he makes a case for a larger timeshare of minutes. If he's going to come on and, and be willing to you know, lead the defensive line, make those tough carries, and then bring in that element of ball playing down short sides or offloading, then, geez, you know, get him on the field. Give him 20-plus minutes. You know, I'm, I'm all for it. And he, he did a very good job building a case for this week uh, against the Bulldogs to get some more playing time. Oh, and another one was uh, Ogden. Good to see him in the NRL debut. I, I think he only had two or three runs, but that were big runs. Yeah, so. and that's, that's where if, if I'm, you know, I say lauding Brad, I mean, he, he was trying to make the most of a bad situation where he was being proactive with his bench with the other three players in Murata, Oggy, and... Uh, well, I say Oggy, now it's two Oggies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kafusi and uh, obviously Bryce Carter, who we just spoke about, he was probably just a bit too slow getting Ogden into this game. But then again, when it was such a shit show, he probably, you know, he had a scripted windows. It wouldn't have been just like one or two. would have had a couple of chances in an ideal game where we're being competitive to get Ogden in. But obviously, you know, the, the plan fell to shit after the opening kickoff and uh, he ended up leaving him into the, what was it, like the 71st or 70th minute to get him onto the field. Like that. Yeah, so, but I am looking forward to seeing more of Ogden because I think he can be a guy to bring a bit of punch off the bench. I would have preferred if he came on when Bryce Cartwright came on because, like, what is, I don't know, what's, what's the game plan for Ogden? Oh, Ogden, mate, you know, in the warm up, he's warming up for two hours. Hey, mate, I need you for four minutes. Give me your four best minutes. Like, I don't get why, if, if you're going to, if it's just mind boggling. Like, I'd rather him come on because he said we lacked um, the physicality and, you know, um, the effort. We'll get this guy on. It's his debut. He for our club. He probably would want to bash a few plays out there. Let's see some hunger out there, you know. And when's the last time we seen a big hit? I think the last big hit we saw was when Junior got suspended. This team is soft. That's probably that's probably why we don't see the big hits anymore. <laughs> I think the Eels might feel like there's a target on their back after Junior got uh, ben- or benched, got uh, put on the benches in the in the freaking stands for a clean hit on AJ Brimson. So I don't. Know. I mean, that doesn't excuse a lack of wellness for the contact, but yeah. It just it, it is so frustrating. One, once again, it feels like we need a Jared Weir Hargraves or a Bo Scott because who's that guy in our team? Who's the first one into the breach? Who's the one that's cracking heads and taking names and leading the way? I don't know who it was. Nathan Brown. But well, that, that, that's what that's what Prime Brownie used to be pretty good at. But you know, obviously Brownie's had you know between form injuries and uh, whatever else is in in the play there about his contract uh, is not really a factor for the Eels anymore. But yeah, we, I, I, you know, this is a team that would kill for a Warrior Hargraves as much as he can shit you as an opposition player, and how he can definitely overstep a line. Um, well, even as your game. own, as a, your own. Yeah, uh, true, true. He, he can absolutely, absolutely shit you as a, your own player, and he can absolutely overstep a line and, and you know get suspended or do something that you don't agree with. He feels like a player that leads other players on the field, and that's uh, that's something we, we're a very good team when everything's you know humming and purring and going along per script or in, in motion the way we should be. And we've shown that at times we can be a good team when adversity is there against Penrith and whatnot. 
But there are just sometimes there is a game where no one in the forward pack, no one you know steps up, and we just desperately, desperately need something like that. All right. Well, I think that's enough uh, doom and gloom. Three games to go. Um, we'll see whether we can get the <laughs> the good Parramatta Eels team in uh, most of those three games. Well, the so, good news yeah. is, is for every two steps forwards, one step back. We've never, you know, made it two steps forwards, two steps back. We haven't dropped consecutive games all year. Haven't we? At least the one positive. We, nope, no nope. consecutive games. Yeah. As, We've as, only won three in a row at one yeah, point. Yeah, so that, that's the payoff is we haven't had a big winning streak uh, because as inconsistent as we've been, we haven't actually dropped two games in a row. So, yeah, that's a little silver lining uh, to the season, although we haven't won the four in a row you'd need outside of the top four. Yeah, that is the downer there, isn't it? <laughs> um, all right, well, let's jump into some news. So I guess the big um, news out of this week is uh, the um, the opening of the NRLW. Um, so Eels, again, hosting a team in this season's competition, uh, noting that earlier this year there was our first inaugural competition, but it was actually for last year. So um, this year it's eight teams, is that right? Six teams still. It's the same six teams. Same six teams, six teams, and then it goes expansion up comes eight. next year, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, but and what what is different this year is that the player transfer market was wild. Like, there every team looks vastly different. Teams like Newcastle that were you know by far and away the worst rosters in the twenty twenty one season are now looking highly competitive. So, it's a vastly transformed landscape for the game. Um. Yeah. And so with that, I I don't think it's too much more news. So do we, or I guess the we'll get into the injury news for when we get to first grade. Oh, there's uh there's news and rumours. There's a little bit of news. Uh, I was signed two juniors from up in Queensland, Josh Lynn, who's a halfback, and Kyan Murphy, who they say is an edge player. Don't know what that means, but he's an edge player. Um, <laughs> he plays somewhere outside the middle, you know. Just, yeah, not the middle. <laughs> um, and the rumours. You want to talk about the rumours we heard today about uh, Trent Trent Barrett? Yeah, and, well, um, not the only assistant coach, right? Madge as well. So Michael Maguire. He was being linked to a couple of experienced head coaches, but in an assistant role. And you know what? Uh, Trent Barrett, for as much as he is memed as a train wreck of a head coach, uh, has gathered a lot of plaudits as an assistant coach. I wouldn't be against that. And Michael Maguire, well, that, that relationship with Brad Arthur goes back a long time. I think they're actually quite close uh, from the Melbourne Storm days. So that wouldn't shock me if he was brought on board either. So that's definitely some interesting uh, news there because the Dragons are the other team that were interested in Barrett, right? They were the other team linked because they've got their assistants being yeah. moved on. So good to see the Eels looking to – uh, not necessarily shake things up, but just inject, you know, fresh blood, fresh point of views into – And also, like, to win a comp, you need to spend the resources. Yes, you need to that, spend that, the that money. Is, that's an important sign. You can't me. win the comp on a budget. Well, You've got to spend somewhere. The the teams that have dominated the NRL in the modern era, largely being the, the Storm and the Roosters, have two of the most, you know – Expansive. Like, expansive, de- de- deep – rosters when it comes to auxiliary staff and football staff they spend the money to get the most out of their footballs so that's hopefully a big step forward to Parramatta that's what we need to do we need you know we need a wrestling coach we need a contact coach we need we need a footy whisperer where's the footy whisperers at we haven't heard any of them recently <laughs> um and the other I suppose it's not Parramatta news but it's a bad week to be a Manly or Newcastle fan fuck them <laughs> just I, I haven't seen two clubs lurch from disaster to disaster in a few I, I want to say years but I'm sure since it was the a, Tigers yeah since the Tigers there you go. <laughs> forgetting their own premiership oh my god <laughs> Benji Marshall noted Dragons premiership winner winner yep oh god 
And uh, looks like, you know, this isn't huge news, but uh, for a bloke that's been held out of the first grade team all year because he signed with the Eels, uh, on Twitter, some mail is saying that Jermaine Hopgood's going to make his 2022 debut for the Panthers this week. Birdie's a big fan, he was telling me. Yeah, we're having a – I mean, he's been setting the cup off on fire, uh, Hopgood has. So looking like he could be a, a very handy pickup for the Parramatta Eels. I'm a big fan when you have an apostrophe in your name. So I think the whole team should be Clinteris, apostrophe, Gufferson. Clinteris. It needs more apostrophes and hyphens, damn it. That's how you win a premiership. Yeah. yeah. And I think – is that all the news, boys? Um, I think so. Mitchell yeah, got more news than I did. Well, yeah, you know, Mitchell Moses, there's – you know, he's scheduled to make He'll his return, play. but there's, there's some He'll doubt play. about him. Yeah. He'll play. He's just uh, he's just trying to build the hype, right? Add a little bit of drama. That's right. He'll he'll put a stick a needle in him. He'll play. Call call Gallon over. How about ex Parramatta and and our and legend? Uh, sorry, and Sevens legend. Whatever his name is, Corey oh, Norman. We're gonna go a completely different player when you said ex Eels player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have. Well, everyone knows his clickbait as soon as you say ex Eels legend, you know. But uh, yeah, didn't he get up to a bit of mischief, mate? Was that, was that accidental or not? I haven't uh, seen it, so I don't know. I mean, it, he's getting eight, it, eight it, to twelve weeks. Yeah. So, but, um, it, it's funny because as loose as uh, he and Kenny were over here, there was never any signs of that sort of thing when it comes to poking a finger where it doesn't belong on the football field. And it's uh maybe it's something to do with the the exchange between English and French when you go over there and it's lost in translation. I don't know. He, he never made a tackle in first grade. So that's probably why he you know avoided the suspension. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Unless you want to talk about the dog signing a rookie coach for five years, $4 million. Ah, fuck them. Uh, yeah, their own uh, problems, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, all right, well, let's jump into uh, the preview. So we will start with um, – let's start with the NRLW just to, to, yeah, go, just to change right. things up a little bit. Um, so we will be playing the first NRLW against the Roosters team. They knocked us pretty much out of finals. They, they did, year, and they also went on to win the premiership. So this is a big game. Big game, 1 p.m. on Saturday, the 20th of August, played out at Combank Stadium, so Parramatta's home ground. Um, so let's just have a squeeze through this Eels list. Uh, Gail Broughton at fullback, Tess Staines and Rakea Horn on wings, Penatani and Church in the centres, Brooke Morgan Walker and Lasana Lutu in the halves. Then in the forwards, you've got Hanisi Johnston, Maya Lungi at hooker. P.O. Falaki and uh, Sumama Taufa at lock. Then the bench is Charrington, Anderson, George, Butler. And then in the extended bench, Ruby Jean Kennard, Taylor Preston, Ruben Charrington, Ashley Quinlan, and Luisa Yaranamua. Um, so having a look at both of these squads, um, maybe a bit of a more, uh, I don't know, more rounded um, team this year. Yeah, some interesting personnel decisions made for the 2022 season. There's a lot of consistency and retention across the back line and the forward pack. Uh, Tiana Penatani, Abby Church, Rakia Horn, they were all uh, big parts of the 2021 squad or 2021 and 22 squad. And likewise for the forward pack, uh, Philomena Hanisi, Shirley Malangi, Ellie Johnston, Christian Pio, and Samama Taufa, as well as Candy Charrington on the bench who's coming back from injury. Uh, they were all big pieces, so they've, they've stuck with them as for the foundational blocks for this campaign and gone out and brought the new spine members in. So we mentioned Gail at fullback. You've got Brooke Morgan Walker at 5'8", and then young Lasana Lutu, who is, I think, still 18 or 19. 
heading into yeah, summer. Yeah, she's so only young. Very young, and so very excited to see how she handles it. Uh, but they've they've come in and brought in some new faces amongst the playmaking to speed up the game, to you know take control of a given contest. And I'm excited to see how they go. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. This is if I had to pick a weakness, maybe dummy half right now. Uh, yeah, that's where I was thinking too. Because Malangi is, you know, is a very willing player, and we'll, and we'll get right into the thick of it. But her service isn't as crisp as it could be compared to some of the other nines running around the competition. But if she can just get her job done, uh, I think that this team's got some points in them. Um, I'm really keen to see what uh, Gail Broughton or Broughton can do at fullback, uh, rugby sevens background, but for the Kiwis, and uh, she comes in as potentially a real big game changer for Parramatta. Anybody else at, there? That uh, yes, sorry. I was going to say, just have a look at the profile. So, a new fullback. Her nickname is G Fizzle. Man, sign that up for life. That's the best nickname ever. I, I, honestly, as, as, as um, the NRLW continues to grow, I hope we can really you know, uh, lean into the fun of the nicknames that come with football with the ladies. So I would have thought maybe G Unit. That sounds better. G-Unit. If she was playing forward, she'd be a good G Unit. But if you're playing yeah, fullback... True. I don't know. She might be a unit. We don't know yet. <laughs> but yeah, this, this, this Roosters team, you look at it, Sammy Bremner, Jess Surgis. Well, they, they uh, lost Hannah Kelly. Southwell to the uh, Knights. Knights, uh, yes. But And, and she had a very but big you look game at against us. But the, Zahara Tamara, Racine McGregor, Destiny Brule, <laughs> <Exactly>. Queensland. <laughs> They've got an incredible back line still in the front row. Sarah Togatuki tore us apart in that game that you were talking about before, Hamish. She was outstanding. Destiny Brill's a pretty handy dummy half. Uh, th- this is a team that is still very, very good. And, and I'd argue, given that Brisbane's had a couple of their core players plucked away, especially by Newcastle, they're probably the team to beat here, the Roosters. So first up contest for the Eels will be one of the biggest of the regular season. And it'll be a really big litmus test to see where they're at. Um, you know, And given that the Roosters are enjoying a lot of continuity across the entirety of their team and the Eels, while they've got returning members in the forward pack and the back line, those new playmakers, how fast can they, you know, gel and, and find their synergy and hit that ground running together as a unit? Um, very, very interesting to see. Right, well, get out there for the start of the NRLW. I think uh, membership packages are still available, so um, go and grab one of those And if you can't, if this you one can. is broadcast on Fox and KO, so no excuse to miss it. And jumping into the Jersey Flags, uh, a full day of Eels football on the Saturday, um, starting at 11 a.m. Who schedules that against the same time as the New South Wales Cup kicking off? Put it on a yeah, Sunday, yeah. damn it. It's a bit strange. Um, but also out at Kellyville Park, uh, which we'll see the Eels taking on the Bulldogs. Uh, so, sorry, I don't have the – let's get a lighter for that. The Dogs sorry. are sitting in eighth spot, so one position and ahead of the Dogs. Not, yeah. And it's uh, by virtue of a draw they had earlier in the year. So uh, if this was a top eight, there'd be a lot to play for this week. But unfortunately for the Eels, it's a top five or a top six. Yeah, but um, having a look at this, is there anything, uh, any any players you, you – obviously we touched on our, our five-eighth, uh, Perfisi, Perfisi, is that – Yeah, Perfisi, yeah. Perfisi, I'm not sure. I have to try and – Anybody else to be looking that. out there for? Uh, good to see Corey Fenning back in the lineup. I think he was crook last week, so uh, he comes back into the centres – uh, it's a, uh, I don't know, Sam, are you happy to see him in the centres? Would you prefer to see him at fullback? Now that Perfisi's in at 5'8 and doing a great job, it sort of leaves you, if you're not playing Dantore Lui at fullback, you're probably putting him on the bench. Yeah, I, I prefer Dantore in the uh, in the halves there, but Sanders and 
Mac and Sanders. There you go. I didn't realize the Big Mac and the Ethan Sanders, Mac, yeah, the Colonel. The Colonel. <laughs> he was the unlocked the secret of dominating the Jersey flag. It's just a main fast food companies. There, there you go. Where's, where's, the, where's the Hungry Jack? Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, I think he's better in the halves. But you know, you can play fullback, so he's there. Um, the one I'm looking forward to, and he. Did a did half a preseason, annual preseason. It was Peter Tartillo. He's really he's dropped back to Jersey flag. He's really stepped up his ball playing. Really stepped up his aggression. I think he should be doing an, another annual preseason this year. And he'll be he'll be twenty. He's twenty one. I'm pretty sure. So he'll be moving into. Um, he's, oh no, he's the same age as Jake. So yeah, they're all twenty. I think. But he should be moving up into Cup next year. He's one to look out for. I reckon. Yeah, Pete. Uh, started the season in cup had a number of uh, pretty solid performances including a couple of big uh, runs within like that first sort of five or six weeks then was bumped back down to the flag as the uh, cup got more of its core players back in the forward pack and I think for him the big thing will be uh, he came into his first NRL preseason at the start of this year or late last year without any real knowledge of what it took and that probably you know got him by surprise a bit he comes into the upcoming 22-23 preseason now forearmed, knowing what it takes to stay, you know, in the middle of the pack or even excel when it comes to fitness and the standards that are held there to be a full-time footballer. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him hopefully embrace that and maybe even, uh, you know, dominate with it. But yeah, so good to see him partner alongside the big hyphen, Jonte Jr. Um, he's been really, you know, snake bitten this year if that bad injury he sustained in the preseason. I think, yeah, he would have been a big-time contributor in the flag and even beyond maybe if he hadn't broken his leg late in the preseason. And, yeah, after that, you know, the bench has got a couple of cool guys there. Jacob Davis looks like he's starting to take some steps forwards as the interchange dummy half. Saxon Pryke and Larry Nwaga Tutia are two of the good young forwards we've got that will be developed in the, the coming, you know, year or two. They're not on the same schedule as Pete, I'd say, who is probably, you want to say, uh, Pete and, and Jonte are probably about 12 months ahead of, uh, especially Larry, but, sorry, especially Saxon, but even Larry. Saxon comes in as a, you know, he's just starting to wet his feet into the Jersey flag. Yeah. Saxon's still got another year yeah, in Jersey flag there, right. whereas the, I think the other three probably pushing for cup on his next year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and outside of that, in the back line, Samuel Louise, who's back in this grade with, uh, he, he ended up playing cup last week uh, because it was still a week too early for Bailey Simonson with his hamstring, but he's back in the flag this week. Hopefully he can have a good game. And yeah, it's just this is a team now when you read on paper, it's just really solid, like one to 13. And then on the bench, they've got some good contributors too. So just there's a lot of guys here looking to build their portfolio for a 2022 23 preseason if the NRL or the extended NRL roster. Okay, well, jumping into the knock on effect, New South Wales Cup, Eels in fifth, taking on the Bulldogs at third, as 40 was alluding to, also at 11 a.m., but this one at Combank Stadium. So. Full day of rugby league out at Combank Stadium, starting off with uh, reserve grade, then the NRLW, then uh, first grade. Um, in, big in for uh, reserve grade with uh, Jake Arthur returning to halfback, given that um, Mitch Moses has been named to return in first grade. Do we reckon that's how they're going to trot out? Or If, if Mitch really is healthy, seem, yeah. if Mitch is healthy, I'd expect him to play this way. And I think this is probably their strongest back line all year. Um, you know, Jack Williams has done a decent job at 5'8", but the part or the potential partnership of Rankin and Arthur in the halves would be Parramatta's strongest in this grade, and they're going to need it because this dog's outfit looks pretty good, honestly. You can see why they're up at the top of the ladder. A lot of uh, pretty useful, you know, either part-time NRL contributors or up-and-coming players in it, 
and the Eels are going to need to be on their toes to get the W. In fact, uh, anybody there that we want to keep an eye on? Uh, so Paul Alamotti, Ham, you've spoken about him before on the podcast. He's their young up-and-coming uh, – I think he's played a couple of positions, but primarily centre. Um, he's out there, and he's going to be working with either Jaden Ockenbaugh or Declan Casey uh, as the winger. But uh, they've got a strong house pairing, Bailey Biondiotto. Oh, Gerald Skelton's uh, – or Gerald Skelton's come across from Rugby 7. Yeah, Will Skelton, Skelton relation, yeah. Uh, Brandon Wake in the halves got uh, some solid. There's a Makatoa and Makatoa violence happening this week. I think they are related as well. Um, and you've got Arvasu Manafungai, who's you know not an NRL player these days, but still a solid cup contributor. Um, the big one I'm seeing here, and I'm I'm, I'm getting on Nelly. We, we've talked about bringing him home. Ham, he's still a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. But Matt Dury, he's on the yeah. edge. You got Jackson Toppany, who's also a free agent on the other edge. There's maybe a couple of perspective. Uh, I don't know what the Eels are doing in terms of their recruitment, but. Uh, you could do worse than either of these two guys, I think, as a you know taking or buying a lottery ticket to you know hold down a spot in first grade, um, with or without ice staying. And then on the bench, Jaden Tanner is not a former real. I think Jaden Skinner is still with us. Is Jaden Tanner a former real? No. Yep, played just played with there us. There you go. So Jaden Tanner is a former real. Um, but yeah, the Eels. This is close to their full strength lineup outside of Kai Rodwell, who. I'm not sure if he got injured or is suspended. I can't think of him doing anything worthy of a suspension in the game last week, but you never know if the NRL. So it'll be um, New South Wales Cup too. Um, but yeah, looking at the Eels team, uh, Jaden Yates starts at lock forward. He was actually pretty good against South Sydney Ham. He was running the ball really strongly. So yeah. hopefully he can make the most out of this. Um, on the bench, Brendan Hands, Tavita Talmapenu, Dan Kieran, Luke Bain. Probably those last two spots a little bit weaker for the Eels, but the starting team looks very sharp. Absolutely, you know, coming up against a very good team here. Um, I like the I like the Haas pairing of uh, Rankin and Arthur. I think that that's probably the best Haas pairing we'll have all year, have had all year. Um, with Param out the back, he's adds a bit of extra ball playing there. But um, crunch time for reserve grade, they need to win this one. Yes, win yeah. it by twenty. At yeah, least. yeah. If you win it by twenty, then because it's obviously four and against counts as double in this game, uh, given that it's the head to head with uh, was it three v five. Uh, but yes, we, given that there's only one more week of NRL, sorry, New South Wales Cup and Jersey Fleet competition left, they're playing on a slightly shorter schedule because they have the national championship in the, I want to say, in the New South Wales Cup versus Queensland Cup. Uh, you know, yep. these these games, vitally important to win if you're going to make a top four push. All right, let's jump into first grade. So 3 p.m. Uh, revenge game, Eels 7th, Bulldogs 12th. Uh, after getting absolutely towed earlier in the year, Yikes. I think after that game we said you need to circle this game. Um, to get a little bit of revenge, especially the boys in the middle. Um, they were very disappointing last week. Uh, they really need to be up here, um, especially looking at some of the ins coming back in for the Bulldogs. So let's start with the team list for the Bulldogs at fullback. Jake Avarillo on the wings, Jacob Kiraz and Josh Adokar. Centres, Aaron Shoup, Braden Burns. Uh, in the halves, Matt Burton, Kyle Flanagan. In the forwards, Max King, Paul Vaughan, Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. Second row is Harrison Edwards, Raymond Fatala Mariner, and Josh Jackson at lock. The interchange bench is Zach Docker Clay, Joe Stimson, uh, Jackson Topine, and Chris Patola. The extended bench is Declan Casey, Bailey Biondiotto, Brandon Wakeham, Luke Thompson, and Tavita Pangai Jr. Then looking for the Eels, we have Clint Gutherson, captain fullback. On the wings, Maker Sebo and Wanga Blake. Centers, Will Penasini, Tom Opacich. In the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses. Forwards, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Jr. Paulo, Reed Money at hooker, Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali, second row, and Ryan Madison at lock. 
Interchange bench, Ofahi Ogden, Bryce Cartwright, Oregon Kafusi, Murata Niakore. Extended benches, Makahezi Makatoa, Bailey Simonson, Jake Arthur, Sean Russell, and Ellie Elzekaham. Uh, now, the glaring thing that stands out on the Bulldogs bench in particular is Luke Thompson and Tavita Pangai Jr. on that extended bench. Are yeah. we expecting them to come? That, that's great. I don't know about Luke Thompson, given that there was you know some speculation they've been shopping him for a while now, but that fact that Pangai Jr. is in the 23 screams that he's going to be a game day inclusion. I think they did the same thing with us in round 14. Yeah, I was going to say he's named on the extended bench then too. Yeah, and he came in and he didn't even play good football, but he just did a great job of getting under our skin and disrupting our forward pack. And then, you know, there was actually a lot of parallels between our performance last week and that game against the Bulldogs in round 14 where our forwards just got out and foozed and outwilled through the collisions. And if that happens anywhere near the same capacity this week, we're in for a long, long day out at Combank. So hopefully, you know, our boys are ready to go to war after a week of getting not necessarily hammered at training, but just, you know, grilled about why they didn't turn up against South Sydney. And the fact that we're even talking about there's been a revenge game is honestly, you know, so frustrating. That you you, you sort of, you prepare yourself to lose a, a certain amount of games every season, right? Because even the Penrith Panthers, as good as they are, you, just, you have to drop games because that is the reality of professional sports, especially in a salary cap competition like the NRL. But God, the Eels have just had some bad losses and the Dogs game really sits at the top of that pile. Booty, did you want to start off? Uh, what are you liking? Oh, I don't like anything this week, to be honest. <laughs> I, I just, I've got, I'm, I don't know, maybe the bounce back factor, that's all I'm hoping for. Um, you guys mentioned it, you know, Tavita didn't play well, but he's got that intimidating factor where, you know, defense, he's always looking to hit, put a hit on, you know, something that we lack, you know, we need someone, we, we need, a, you know, Bash Brother back out there or something, but look. The only thing I can think of, this team, you know, and I know I said last week they're probably sick of losing to the, uh, to the South, but this team was embarrassed, let's be honest. The way that Matt Burden and, you know, was carrying on that try-saving tackle on Moses, and even how their fans were going about how, um, you know, this was the, the moment of the season, essentially. Like, I'm sure they would have been embarrassed by it. Like, we haven't seen the Bulldogs celebrate like that in a while. So, <clears throat> you know, revenge game, surely's on the cards, you know. I'm pissed that I didn't even play that game. So hopefully... um. I don't know. I'd like to see us uh, play a bit more smarter. You know, you know, I like you know our game style is uh, just a run and bash. But I feel as though get the offloads going. You know, do what we did to Penrith the first time we met them. You know, a bit of inside ball, trying to make the Bulldogs tired. And um, yeah, I'm I'm confident we can bounce back. Uh, maybe get Ogden in early, but um, I don't know. It all depends. I reckon it goes based off um how Sivo and how how wingers need to need to chip in because. You know, between Sivan and Bonga Blake, they're probably getting paid, you know, better part of, you know, four to five hundred K each. They gotta start chipping in, you know, helping us out because we're not making many meters and yeah, why not just copy uh the Panthers blueprint essentially? You know, we've got big enough wingers, so why not? But um other than that, I just want Dylan Brown to take over. Like I'm not hating on so I'm not I, I, I know he had a quiet game last week, but I just feel as though it just eased Mo- Moses into it, you know, because he's coming back from a broken finger. Just feed Dylan Brown, you know, he's in career best form, just keep feeding him, so yeah. Uh, 40 ham I think we've already touched on your um, who, who you think the danger man is uh, Bulldogs the last couple of weeks they probably haven't been as good as they were in that period um, no they're two from the last just five after Origin. yeah so they're, they're definitely been struggling more um, more so than chugging along so yeah they're, they're certainly vulnerable in the context of their last month and a bit of football but this this isn't a, for me this really isn't a question about the Bulldogs this is a question about Parramatta um, and you know we we you know make jokes about Doctor Jack Eel and and Mister Hyde, which team's going to turn up and whatnot. But there's no more time for you know fifty fifty splits between what Eel turns up. The 
we're three weeks out from the finals and there is still a top four spot or at the very least a week one home final at Combank if you finish in the upper half bracket of the bottom four of the top eight, which is a really, really obtuse way of describing finishing fifth or sixth. Uh, yeah, they, they've got to get into gear. They've got to come out here from the kickoff, dominate. And I expect Canterbury to put up resistance in this game. They're going to be fired up. The same way that South Sydney think they've got or think no they've got the psychological psychological edge on us i think canary are going to think they have the psychological edge on us and it's on our boys to make sure that doesn't go from thinking to knowing and it starts with a big win at combat this week and you know really really you know punishing the dogs up the guts wherever regardless of whether mitchell moses plays or not if that finger is a trick you know too troublesome to be a go for saturday and you have jake arthur coming out i don't care whoever's in halfback should be inconsequential because your forward's going to be laying that good of a platform. Yeah, I think that definitely, that, that, that sums it up. It needs to be won through the middle of the field. Uh, last time we wilted, this time, whether or not to beat a Pangai's there or not, they really need to stand up in the middle of the field. And, you know, that's our best football is powering up the fo- powering up the middle, playing that power game, getting the roll on in the middle. And after then, um, getting the ball out wide when we're in attacking opportunities and making the best of those attacking opportunities. Uh, but we need to do everything in our power to receive the first opening kickoff. Oh, and by by the by, you can almost book that one of Pango Jr. or Luke Thompson will be back and probably starting, maybe on the bench, because Jackson Toppenay, who's listed on the bench for the Bulldogs, is listed to start at 11 o'clock in the New South Wales Cup. So <laughs> there you, go. you can almost guarantee it, can't you? Yeah, so... Uh, one of those boys will be in this game, whether they're starting or not. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, you don't see players back up games very often. Although we did see, I think uh, we've we've seen a couple of our boys that get you know light work in the NRL back up in New South Wales Cup, and then I think against Man we saw Tavita Tamapeno play flag and cup in the same weekend. But it's this isn't the 1980s. You don't play reserve grade earlier in the day and then back up onto the bench of the uh, NRL game or the first grade game. All right, Birdie, first try scorer, eventual score. Uh, so I want to go. I'm going to go first try score. I'm just going to just hoping for any time try score. Actually, I'm going <laughs> to good idea. Good, good, good idea. Oh man, we asked for you know we we're getting carried on last week and barely you know couldn't find our way over wet pepper bag or some shit you know whatever that saying is. Um, I'm going to go Ginger Paolo. I feel I feel as though uh, you know he went bit, went missing a bit last week. Um, you know come back not come back sorry. Uh, I reckon he'll have a bounce back game. Maybe dollar one read money will do ten crash you know balls to the um, near the post. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking Junior Paulo will benefit from that. And um, look, I, look, I'm confident we're going to win. But hey, I'll take a six six nil scoreline if that helps. But um, you know, if you asked me about three four weeks ago or even before last time we played them, you know, I thought this would be a percentage booster game. But you know, four and against has taken a whack. So hopefully uh, we can win. And if not, increase our four and against. But um, yeah, I feel as though Dylan Brown will have a good game, big game actually. Well, I got trolled just now because I decided I was going to let a randomised dice roll online decide who was going to score amongst 1-13 to in the starting team. And I've rolled an 11, which means it's gone back to Sean Lane, who I feel like I'm constantly talking about as a first try scoring option. So the dice have said that it's Sean Lane for first try scorer. Um, realistically, I could see this game being you know way closer than it has any right to be, even if it is a quality game on both sides, you know, and the dogs just get up for the contest. But, you know... The ruthless part of me wants a big win. I feel like we almost need a big win. Um, it's not even about the four and against anymore because that that ship sailed. You know, we're not we're not winning any ladder positions of four and against now. We either win outright on points uh, in terms of wins, or we we don't. So I want a you know a big win in the vicinity of like forty to ten or thereabouts. Um, 
yeah, and obviously I'll take any win given how inconsistent the Eels can be, but I feel like this has to be a statement game for Parramatta. The Dogs got us last time. They ambushed us in very similar circumstances to the losses against Brisbane and most recently South Sydney where we didn't want the collision. And when your team – I mean, and Brad Bradoff made a point about this in the, in the post-match conference. To an extent, every team in the competition is about the collision, right? You have to, you know, not necessarily dominate but compete in the ruck. But the way the Parramatta Eels are built – it really extrapolates that to the nth degree. We are, you know, made so our forward pack rumbles, which opens up corridors down the left and right for our spine. And if they don't, you know, do their job and are at least competitive, because if they're at least competitive, guys like Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown can make something happen. But when they're doing what they did against South Sydney and the other two games we just spoke about, you know, you're literally a lame duck. So this has got to be a big game for them. They've got to go out there, opening kickoff, set the tone. Don't give away a stupid penalty looking to put on a big hit because I could also see that happening too. But, you know, dominate. You know, want the collision. Lead the line speed. You know, show some aggression in defense. Look for opportunities to offload an attack. Play good football. Damn. Um, I took 40's uh, lead and did a random number generator. Um, it took me 13 times to get my number that I wanted, and that's Mitchell <laughs> Moses at number seven. Um, so Mitchell Moses' score, and I did a random, nu- another random generator number uh, between the th- one and 80th minute. So he's going to score that try in the fourth minute. Um, and I just thought, well, since it took me 13 times to get um, seven. number seven, we're going to score 13 tries. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to convert them all. It's going to be 78 to 32. <laughs> That would be, you know what? That would be the most Parramatta thing ever to just throw up a bagel against South Sydney and then turn around and put down like an NRL record against the Dogs. All right. Well, for me, uh, we've got to go left, make a Sebo first try scorer and eventual score. I'm going to say 28 to 16. Eels, victors. Yeah, um, they score. really need to make up for last time because that was, that was embarrassing. That was one of the worst losses I think we've had probably in the Brad Arthur era, just with the way that we just came out and completely capitulated and didn't show up. Like, we, we've lost to really good teams in the past. You know, we've had Roosters put 50 on us in some of those games uh, where they're just on fire and we haven't had the ball. Um, but I don't think I've seen a performance like that where a not very good team comes out and beat the pants off us and we just did not show up and showed no grit, no determination and rolled over like that. That was a disgraceful performance. And if they haven't had this circled for the last, since the last uh, time we came up against the Bulldogs, um, you know, kiss any uh, thoughts of going further than week one in the finals. And, you know, there, there could be legitimate questions about them having that circle because given what they put up against South Sydney, another game that should have been circled, you know, where, where are they at mentally? I don't know. I don't know. There's a big, big questions being answered this week, boys, because we're going to know a lot about where this team is at in order to make any sort of push into the finals. If they, if they don't turn up this week, then like you said, Hamish, you can just about put a line for them. All right. Well, on that happy note, let's wrap it up. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can get out to Combat Stadium from 11 o'clock. So you have three rounds of football, uh, three games of football to enjoy, uh, including the uh, first game of the NRLW season against a, a very good Bruce's team who took out the, uh, the defending premiers, I guess, from uh, earlier this year, but for last year's season. All right, boys. I'll catch you on the next Power Podcast. We'll do it. Cheers, boys. Cheers.